Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Leon Poe, man. You're listening to Causeway Street Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Kenny Anderson. Y'all listen to the Causeway Street Podcast. For all you new listeners out there, I'm your host, Joseph Pavone. I'm joined as usual by my two co-hosts. I'm Sean Dutra. What's up? Yeah, like talk about walks yourself. on the B. There you go. Joel Pavone. What up? I'm a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> the most romantic. He leads off with that. The most romantic sign in all of the Zodiac. Oh. You couldn't tell by my voice already. Oh. Sexy. But I'm the producer of this ensemble that we call Causeway Street. In case you missed it. Hey, Bill Walton here, Celtics 1986. You're listening to the Causeway Street Podcast. Yeah, come here for nothing but the truth. This is where dreams come true. Thank you, Boston, for my life. Where are we going? You guys are such homers. It's your boy, Terry Rozier. You're listening to the Causeway Street Podcast. Now listen to my boys, Joe Sway, Joel, and Sean. Not trying to see the Celtics lock in Marcus Smart for $16, 17000000 million. See you later, Smart. Forget it. Back with another edition of the Causeway Street Podcast. The Pavone brothers are back in the house. No Sean Dutra. And no Celtics going to the NBA Finals. But you already knew that, obviously. Uh, so this fell to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 7 at TD Garden. LeBron James led the way, of course. What else is new? Jeff Green got some time in, balling up, 19 points, making up for uh, the production that Kevin Love didn't provide throughout most of the series. Uncle Jeff. You know what? It actually worked out better this way because they were able to uh, not only uh, switch him defensively on guys in the, on the wing for the Celtics, but just sped things up a bit. You know, I just felt like they just looked better with him in the starting lineup. So we'll see what happens in the NBA Finals. The Celtics, of course, are uh, on vacation now. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. We'll also get into what a uh, friend of the show said earlier this week, Mr. Antoine Walker, talking about LeBron James' number one option should be the Celtics 
as he heads into free agency, of course, after the NBA Finals. But that's just how much people are so excited for this NBA Finals. You know, they're already talking about where's LeBron going to go next after he loses to the Golden State Warriors, what pretty much everyone's assuming. So they've been talking about that since like the playoffs started. So yeah. It's, it's, so. Yeah. So the, the conversation is just now heating up even more, even though we have, we're on the verge of seeing the, the, the fourth battle or it feels like the 15th battle between the Warriors and the Cavaliers. Once again, that's what we got in the NBA Finals. Can't say I'm very surprised. However, I did think midway through the Eastern Conference Finals that we probably would see a different outcome. But there you are. I know you guys are excited about it. NBA fans, especially non-NBA fans, they've been like the most vocal about how upset they are to see these two teams go at it for the fourth consecutive time. First time in professional sports history that two teams face each other four consecutive times in the championship round but that's what we got we'll talk about it a little bit not a lot we'll get more into it you know when the series starts up hopefully we'll have some crazy matchup crazy game but hey we could be wrong i don't know we'll break it down we'll get into that and uh we'll also have to get into another free agent that may not be grabbing as many headlines as lebron james but around this around these parts marcus smart you can that's, that's a name you'll have to get used to hearing until the beginning of free agency he says he's worth more than 15 million joel uh, he doesn't know where this, uh, you know, what is it, twelve to fourteen million dollar range, which, which is what I had in store for him. That's um, the ideal it, situation I saw him signing for. It came from him. <laughs> <laughs> it did come from him, but you know what? He's pretending like he doesn't remember or he doesn't know where this magical twelve to fourteen mil came from. Yeah, but it you, came from him. You know what he's trying to say, though. He's saying that's what the Celtics put on the table midseason, and he said, uh, "How about you guys go fuck yourself? I'm worth more than that." And even after the season he had. Where he uh, not only his emotions got the best of him, but Just he moments put this, after game seven, he put this team. Well, no, I'm talking about you know mid season. Oh, oh, oh! He put this team in in, in a tough spot by uh, getting upset about some IG model and and, and hurting uh, his hand and you know, nearly cost himself the entire season. So he, no, he didn't hurt the team. He hurt his value and himself. But yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, did. well, he did. Well. Obviously, he hurt himself because of his hand, but he did right. hurt his value. Too. But yeah, and in, in, in more ways than one. But I just, my whole point is listen, if you're going to have that type of season and then you come back and all right, let's face it, he, he did give the Celtics quite a boost, but I don't know, over 15 million? We'll get more into that. But first things first, let's uh, go back to game seven. Uh, Joel, how disappointed are you about this loss? I mean, I've heard every angle at this point. The Celtics should have did this. The Celtics should have did that. How did the Cavs were able to do this? My whole thing is, and I'll continue to say this, and you know what? If you don't agree with me, um, you can go off in the comment section. I don't care because <laughs> at the end of the day, the way that fourth quarter played its way, it played itself out. Those final few minutes where Terry Rozier was jacking threes, Marcus Morris was jacking threes, Al Horford jacked up a three. All open, by the way. All great looks. All three of those guys had an opportunity to slice that deficit at least down to one point when they got it down to four. And the, the shots didn't fall. The shots didn't go through the hoop. They didn't fall when they needed it most. I know we've seen the story time and time again. So my whole thing about it is why is everyone so like, oh, why didn't they go inside? Oh, why didn't they do something different? The threes obviously weren't working. Oh, you mean the formula that got them there to begin with? How many games did we see the Celtics do that and they came out on top because of that? And just because they don't fall all of a sudden, oh, those are stupid shots. That's a dumb shot. Come on. Get out of here. That's not a stupid shot because if it goes they in, it's were, not stupid, right? They were it's not a ballsy shot that they go in. Wait, wait. They shouldn't have been in that position to begin with because, number one, all season long, yeah, those threes are, are, are falling. 
but it just seemed like they they're, they weren't in control from the moment they lost their lead in the second quarter when they were up 12. Never seemed like they were in control the rest of the way. And it felt like those shots were forced. Yeah, the third quarter was different. Uh, yeah. Okay, I, right. I'm with you on that. But okay. did you ever think that, oh, this game is over? This game no, is no, done. no, no, but listen. They hung around. Okay. In the fourth quarter, eight minutes left. Cavs are in the penalty. And guess what else? LeBron James has his fourth foul. Mm. Why weren't they taking him more to the rack and, and getting to the free throw line? Marcus Smart, the two times that he actually did that, he made it to the free throw line. Okay, well, what happened when Terry Rozier went in? What do you mean? When he went inside, what happened? Oh, that was a fast break thing. That he, he got his shit punched, man. He got fouled. <laughs> he got fouled. That was all hand. You remember that. Come on. Regardless, man, the, out, on. the, the outcome wasn't pretty. And that's obviously that's going to stick in your head a bit, especially when you're that age. When you've never been on this stage before and you're minutes away from trying to make it to the NBA Finals okay. against LeBron James, right, the best but, player in the world. But LeBron didn't beat the Celtics, in my opinion. If you read my piece on CausewayStreet.com, Jeff Green went off. J.R. Smith went off. Two yeah, guys yeah, that, Le- that, were, that were dormant during the rest of the series. Yeah, but right? LeBron is the... Yeah, but that's fine. LeBron, but they only won the by eight points. The denominator. No, it doesn't matter because LeBron went off for 42 in game two. And who won that game? Yeah, but he was responsible for the, the he was responsible for 10 of the last 14 points scored for the Cavaliers. Okay. So then you're, so you're telling me they lost in the four minutes. Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm telling you that the Celtics... Well, essentially, yeah, I guess if you put it that way, in those last four or five minutes, the Celtics make those shots. If, if they're able to uh, you know, slow down LeBron, whether it's him scoring or him finding open guys, yeah, I guess so. Okay, so then Rozier missing those three or four three-pointers. What about the other six he took? What about Jalen Brown's other seven or eight three-pointers he took that he missed? It wasn't just in those four minutes. I'm talking about the stuff leading up to that. Between the midway through the second and those last four minutes of the fourth, they executed poorly, something that they hadn't done since maybe game four against Milwaukee in the first round. You would have thought that they would have figured out, all right, in tight situations, we got to play smarter. We got to move the ball. We can't just come down the court with 18 seconds left and just chuck a three, which seemed like that I think towards the end. I'm not saying the whole game. I don't feel like the game was lost and like in the second quarter. All I'm saying is that little that stretch between – the middle of the second and the last four minutes of the fourth could have been played completely different. They could have put the ball more in Al Horford's hands. How many times did we talk about Al Horford's touches? And we saw that in the first half. We saw that in the first half. A lot of that. We saw a lot of that. Alley-oops. That play was flawless. Jason Tatum, after that dunk on LeBron James, he didn't touch the ball for the next five minutes of that game. See, my whole thing is I would have liked to see more, just a couple more ISO plays for Jason Tatum. But at the, at the, at the end of the day, though, what, what happens – at the end of the fourth quarter for the Celtics team, especially throughout this postseason, the ball moves around. It gets shared. Exactly. But you don't the see the ISO stagnant. ball. But you don't see, oh, set up a, a play for Tatum where he was obviously the, the best player on the floor for the Celtics. Marcus Smart, besides trucking up a lot of threes, he didn't have a terrible game because he didn't have any turnovers, which is which was good. Uh, he had seven assists. And he had four rebounds and two important Offensive rebounds, but the rest of the, the the guards, the guard play in that game was 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 awful. Yeah, well, Rozier played the worst game of the postseason. Was awful. Obviously, that with, means with, it was with, the worst play. It was his worst game, and the, that's uh, his, his worst game at home because I don't think he's even had one bad game throughout those first nine home games throughout the postseason. It was the number ten where he failed to show up when they needed him most, and it was the first home loss throughout the postseason for the Celtics. And ironically enough, 
just 48 hours before that, Rozier and Brown combined for like 57 points. See, that's the thing. After, after game six, I was like, <laughs> yo, you just wasted that performance out of Rozier because one, it's on the road, and two, I'm not quite sure he's going to be able to duplicate that in two more days. The Celtics shot about 34% in game seven, and they still could have won the game. Did they get it tired out? Was it, was it fatigue? It might have been mental fatigue. I don't know about physical fatigue because... Nah, I don't want to hear that, man. Mental no, you toughness. Know what? That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, what this that's team's what, that's about. What that's what this team's about. Exactly. Because we... I mean, at least I thought they figured that out in the first two rounds that they're not afraid of the moment. And after game six, where they shot over 50%, they shot well. They just didn't shoot enough, I guess. I mean, Al Horford didn't get enough touches that game. Outside of Rozier and Brown, ironically, the two that didn't have a good game in game seven, were the only ones... Shooting lights out from outside and beyond the three-point line. Mm. So, fast forward to game seven. I think it was Rozier. I mean, <sighs> Rozier was out for a lot of that fourth quarter. As he should have been, yeah. So, when he comes back in, trying to hit home runs instead of the singles. We've been talking about this. But don't you think that's what Brad Stevens was kind of wanted out of him? Because think about it. You're not going to put him back in if you don't. It's like, hey, Rozier, I've been benching you because you, you just missed like nine straight shots. But I'm going to put you back in. But don't shoot. Like obviously he no, put no, him back right, in because he right. said, "Look, you got your breather. You got to regroup for a second. Go ahead." Because at the end of the day, Rozier is a type of shooter, which is what I like about him. He can miss 15 in a row, and he's going to feel confident about that 16th one. And that's the kind of confidence you want out of your guy, especially in Game Seven, the last four minutes of the game. Yeah, and so then you can you can even actually put a little bit on Brad Stevens as well on some of that on some of the the moves he made in that fourth quarter where maybe you don't keep Rozier out for that long. And if you were going to keep him out for that long... Keep him out for good. Keep him out for good. Yeah. Keep him out for good and yeah. say, you know what, Smart? I'm riding, I'm riding with you. Because if you put him back in, like I said, you're giving him the green light. Yeah. You're saying, okay, go do your you thing. got your rest. Yeah. Go nuts. Yeah. You take the shot that you think best fit. And one play in particular that stood out to me was uh, Horford got a really good look. Wait, was it Horford? It might have been Morris. One of those two. I, I just... Those three... I feel like it was Morris. I think I know three three-pointers... That the, those three guys took, I just felt like just if you make one of them, that's a momentum changer right there. They missed all three, but I think I want to say it was Morris. Rozier ha- got the offensive rebound, second chance opportunity, dishes it back out. They work the ball around, ends up in Rozier's hand, dead in the corner, wide open, a shot that he's made so many times since the beginning of the postseason, and it just didn't fall. And then that's when it started to hit me. I was like, this might, this is not, this is not going to happen. This might be it, you know? Cavs go back. Fast break opportunity, what, like a three-point play here, a three-pointer there. Uh, uh, LeBron found, I think it was your boy JR in the corner. No, I think it was Jeff Green, actually. Yeah, it was Jeff Green. Yeah, Jeff Green. Jeff Green. That only, was a big only, one. Only three hit it all game. Yeah, that was a big one. And, and, and that was it. But then also, I also, midway through, not that I didn't feel good about it, but I was just like, this is, this is going to be their toughest challenge. I mean, I guess that's kind of stating the obvious, but I, I just feel like what made the pressure much heavier than we've seen since the first round against the Bucks was the fact that that A, they're at home. B they, they hadn't lost. Right. Well, they hadn't lost, but no, I was gonna say B, they were in it for like the last five, four minutes, but they didn't have the lead. Yeah. All if you look at the last, I don't know, what, but, but since after the Bucks series, they've always had a legitimate cushion. At that point in the fourth quarter, even against Philadelphia oh, in Game Five, remember Game Five? Yeah, no, but especially against Cleveland, right? Especially and against game, Cleveland. Games, it one, wasn't two, even close in Games, games one, one and two. two and five and five. Yeah, they right, they did. But again, even being down by about 
I think it was down there was, seven. I, I like the four minute mark, if I'm not mistaken. And they, they did cut it down to four, but mm-hmm. at that point, that's the closest they got. At that point, you're you're like you're like all right. Now time is starting to be a factor. They're not hitting their threes, but then all of a sudden you're like, but why are they going away from Jason Tatum? That's on, that's Brown, that's on Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. And I think they called their last timeout, and there was like, there's either three and a half or like three minutes left. That was their last timeout. So for the next three minutes, unless unless there's a foul called or 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 Cleveland calls a timeout. You're just like, all right, the last thing I told you guys to do, it's on you guys. Mm. So maybe timeout management or certain plays being ran or or substitutions. Again, I know Brad has been through two game sevens, right? Washington last year, Milwaukee this year. But he's never been in game seven for a chance to go to finals. Mm. He's a rookie in that aspect. Tyron Lue done it already regardless of who's on the roster for the Cavs. Mm. But for the, for the Celtics, I mean, they wanted it. Obviously, they wanted it. You're not, you, know, you can't sit there and say, like, oh, no, they didn't want it. Or but they I, uh, yeah, I would never say they didn't want it yeah, enough. They, des- they deserve to be there. They're still, yeah. in my opinion, still, the, still were the better team. But, when again, when the lights were at their brightest, they went to bed. The guards went to bed, especially. And it's not like they didn't have enough horses. You know how... In other, in other situations, they're like, oh, man, they just ran out of gas. No, they had the horses. They just The horses didn't want to run. You were disappointed, huh? I was pissed. You were really upset. I'm still pissed. I don't look at it as, like, the way your article put it, a golden opportunity. I mean, okay, yeah, it was. Okay, all right. It's let a me, golden me, opportunity for these young let me, Celtics. Let me think about it. It's, let me rephrase this. It's a golden opportunity, but I don't see it as much as a disappointment as most people do or, or as much as maybe I should. Just because I just feel like in that situation, that was the best you're going to get. No, see. Because, listen, okay, you can talk about Brad Stevens should have did this, and no, then you no, could have set up Tatum this way or that way, but like the way was. that those last few minutes played itself out, the way the offense played itself out in those final minutes when they, were, they cut it down to four, that's what they've been doing all year long, ever since Kyrie Irving's been out of the mix. And no, that's I when know. you say to yourself, Man, Kyrie Irving, you put that scenario in Kyrie Irving's hands, four-point game, X amount of minutes left on the clock, ticket to the uh, NBA Finals. That's why you're not in the NBA Finals because you, you, you Celtics don't have Kyrie Irving, man. Kyrie Irving is I that get guy. It, I get it, but if it was— There's if, no closer on this team. There's I no know, closer. I get it, but if they had lost in the second round, then even if they got swept by the Cavs, I agree with you. I, I'd agree with you. They were up two nothing in this series. Then they were up three to two. They seem like the more dominant. Yeah, but we've seen like the this more before, dominant man. roster. I know we've seen it before, but even that's with why, closers. But that's why it's a golden opportunity because you had a chance to knock out LeBron James from going to his eighth straight finals, possibly leaving Cleveland for a second time. Last time Boston did that, mm. we know how that ended, right? And because without Kyrie Irving. Without Gordon Hayward, they still figured it out. But it wasn't just one guy that was dominating on a, on a nightly basis. Celtics didn't even have a 20-point score throughout the whole, their whole playoff run. Jason Tatum led the way with 18.5. And then Jalen Brown at 18 even. Mm. I could go down the list. Rozier at 16. Horford at 15. Those four guys. Like if those four guys. But that's what I'm saying. You don't have a closer. A you don't have a closer. You have guys like that who get you, you get their opportunities. And like the same three guys I just mentioned, they all got their opportunities to, to, to hit the big shots. And they didn't go in. I mean, I don't know. I just think it boils down to that. 
you want to call it a choke or they didn't live no, up no, to the no, moment. I'm not living. I'm not, I don't know if I, I'm ready to say that. I don't know no, if they no. choked, but well, they, I don't know. They kind of. They kind of choked. Like they they, they kind of they choked. They I when I when I say when I say fault wet the, them for it. That's you know what I'm saying. When I say wet the bed, I'm to me a choke a choke job is different than wetting the bed because a choke job is you just didn't show up. In my opinion, wetting the bed is you buckled under pressure. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Something forced you to you make Chris, a different you, decision than you, what you would have normally have done if this was game six or you, game five. You Chris Webber did exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you, you're like a deer in the headlights at certain points of the game or at the most crucial point of the game when, you're like you said, you're down four, a couple minutes left, and you stop taking it to the hoop. You stop taking it to LeBron. Mm. I mean, I, you, you can't even blend the refs in this one. I think the refs, pretty, no. they, call, they called it pretty even. No, they did it, yeah. And that was probably, uh, other than game two, in my opinion, that was probably the most balanced ref game of the series. And that's saying a lot mm. because we saw how they refed in Cleveland. And again, I don't like to talk about the refs, but and I mean, it's not like a lot of games in Cleveland were close. Maybe game six because they shot so well and they only lost by, what, nine? I think one thing that bothers <laughs> me the most about how this series ended is the narrative surrounding that's LeBron an, that's James. An, that's another, yes, that's another part of my, of my piece. Oh, LeBron James, what an amazing feat. He was the oh. ultimate underdog when everybody said he couldn't do it. When everyone doubted LeBron James and the Cavaliers, here they go and they prove the doubters wrong. What doubters? The Celtics weren't the favorites in the series. <laughs> Far the only from time it. The, the only Far time, from it. The one time that they were favorites in the series was Game Seven. They were two point favorites. Yeah, two point favorites, and they were ten and zero, and and uh, ten and zero at home. And if and if that was the only thing that the Celtics were banking on, then the media's narrative, for the most part, was I don't know. Celtics haven't lost at home. They completely different team at home. Scary Terry, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then LeBron wins, and it's like, oh, he's the greatest of all time now. Yeah, greatest of all time. This what is a, a big, feat. This is the biggest. This might be a bigger accomplishment than him actually winning a championship. Bringing the, you know, I, I actually heard this. This what I'm about to say. This this uh, this quote. LeBron literally dragged a bunch of corpse. Into the finals. Yeah, but what happens if the Celtics win? If the Celtics win, it's, oh, well, he didn't have enough we didn't help. We didn't have enough help. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Just, just like the same thing it was every time the Celtics beat him but in the first stint in Cleveland. Yeah. Right? In 08. No, I'm sorry. In, in 07, even though he decimated the, the Pistons in, in six games. Right? He gets to the finals, gets swept, averages 17, 18 points in that series against San Antonio. Got shitted on. Well, he didn't have enough help. <laughs> but it was amazing what he did against Detroit, though, right? Right. In 2008, the midseason trade that brought his friend Delonte to the team, the, the defending Eastern Conference champions lose in the second round to the Celtics in a heartbreaking Game 7 loss where Paul Pierce and LeBron dueled all game long, 41 for Pierce and 45 for mm. LeBron, but he didn't have enough help, though. <laughs> So then they... Oh, but if he won it, oh, he dethroned yeah, the, the yeah. big three. He, but he in, ended their run the very first year. Exactly, it would have been but a completely two, different story. But in 2009, they re-up, hoping and preparing to play for the Celtics. <laughs> Joe's going to go through the history lesson, huh? They got shattered on by Orlando. <laughs> and then what happened again? LeBron needed help. And the Eastern Conference Finals, LeBron needed help. Even though they, they, wanted, they, wouldn't, they never wanted to admit that they were waiting for the Celtics, not Orlando. They were prepared to play the Celtics. And in 2010, same thing, second round. We all know how that ended. But again, 65 wins, but he still needed help, though, Sway. He needed help. So then which is it? Yeah. Which is it? He needed help. 
the teams uh, he plays with a bunch of scrubs. He beat the Celtics, who were the better team, or LeBron did what he was supposed to do because he needed to average over 35 points or near 35 points to beat the Celtics by eight in so, Game Seven. So after the the champion, after the uh, trophy ceremony, Ty Lue was it's his turn to go to the podium and. He comes in, and granted, the, the place wasn't as packed as it usually is. You know, people were kind of just like lingering around or whatever. And he literally turns the corner and sees the, sees the, how many reporters are sitting waiting for him. And he just goes, he laughs. He goes, <laughs> where's everybody at, huh? Well, now nobody's here, huh? Like, you know what I mean? Like, insinuating that if, had they have lost, the place would have been packed, which in some cases is true. No, like, but, I, I no, agree but, with that. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it's like, come on, Ty Lue. Don't make it sound like you guys are the underdog. That's yet. what I'm saying. Ty Lue, he's drinking his own Kool Aid. He's drinking the LeBron Kool Aid now. Yeah. He lets the, the and, I, and I bet you him more than LeBron even, they listen to the media, they listen to the quotes, they read the quotes, they read what's on, what's on Twitter, or at least he does, I'm saying, I'm talking about Ty, Ty Lue, Lue. Yeah. and when he's asked something that he doesn't like, that's, his, that's how he snaps back. Mm. Oh, you guys, this is what you guys are waiting for, because it sells, it sells you know, headline yeah, sells. right. Don't even sit there and say that, that you knew for a fact that, that Jeff Green was going to go off for 19 points, because you're full of shit. <laughs> You're full of shit. You 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 went like this between Larry Nance and Jeff Green. Eeny meeny miny mo. Catch a tiger by the. All right, we're gonna go with Jeff Green today. And that's exactly what he did. You're not gonna sit there and tell me that 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 you knew that Jeff Green was gonna go off like that in two straight games when he was averaging barely seven points in the first five. And me and you, Sway, we're talking about how that was a great pickup for the Cavs when the season started. Well, yeah, well, yeah, that, and then also the fact that heading into the series, we're like, that's he's been your only reliable like reserve. Yeah, you know? he was the only consistent, the only consistent one. Seven points. As bad as those, yeah, as bad as those numbers sound for a, a team that's trying you know, that's heading into the finals. I mean, shit, they have a starting shooting guard who, in two games, combined for a point, and J.R. Smith, one point, you know, and then he finally makes. More than one three pointer in game seven. So, so that's what that's so that's what that's what annoys me the most. LeBron's gonna be LeBron. We already know that. But the Celtics already proved that they can beat LeBron even if he goes off for a triple double. If the rest of the guys don't go off. Well and when I say go off, I don't mean like another twenty point score. What did I say on our last podcast? That that LeBron, other than him going off with between thirty five to forty points, he needs at least two more Double-digit scores, and that could mean ten points or nineteen points, and that's exactly what happened. So that's what gets me. Call me old-fashioned, but LeBron did what he was supposed to do, giving the squad that he has. But the Celtics let Jeff Green go off back-to-back games, and you let J.R. Smith beat you. That's just my opinion. So, how many games are the Warriors going to win this in? Uh, three. <laughs> they're just not gonna show up for game yeah, four. Yeah, they're just gonna just gonna forfeit in game yeah. four. They're gonna be like, you know what? We're just gonna um, we're just gonna yeah. we're gonna start our pitch to try to keep LeBron in town. We're gonna take our participation right now. In the trophy for making it to the finals. We're gonna start putting our trade offers in to yeah. try to beefing up this roster as much as we can. My favorite, my favorite destination for LeBron since he's won is Houston. Ever since Game Seven, the end of Game Seven. And so the next 24 hours, so from when the Celtics lost all the way to when Houston lost, now the narrative is like, yo, LeBron should go to Houston. Hmm. Forget LA, forget Philly. He should go to Houston. Because Houston is that is one LeBron James away from possibly beating the Warriors. Yeah. That's the only person that's beat the Warriors. It's, it's LeBron James. But the thing about that is the money gets tricky. 
It's like you got to figure out a way. You got to find some sucker to take a Ryan Anderson with with, with a fuckload of dough left on his on his contract, and you got to find a way to figure out what you're gonna do between Capella and 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 Chris Paul. I mean, or, or Capella. These or, are important pieces, especially Capella. Capella was man. Capella made all the difference, in my opinion. Kept that game close in Game Seven, or relatively close until uh, Steph Curry went off, and then Kevin Durant. Join them shortly afterwards, which is, by the way, when those two are doing that, there isn't a team in the world that can stop them, in my opinion. So when that happens, that happens. But and throughout the series, Capella was very important for this team. And I think he's a guy that is, can be a pillar, but he's going to command a lot of dough. So I, I don't know. I'd be really surprised if they can somehow retain his services. Well, if CP3 is really serious about winning a championship, I think he's made his money. I think those State Farm commercials. Oh, man. He's getting paid well for those. You better take your eight mil or whatever you want to take. You better take that and so then minimum I, just to create some space because, yeah. let's face it, this is it. I mean, if you get one more chance, that's if you yeah. can stay healthy. Shit. They need to, they need to bring his, his, uh, his games during the regular season down to like 40 tops, which <laughs> is another thing. I mean, what did he miss? 20 games this year? I think close. Yeah. Why would you play At him least. so much? Even well, you know Doc Rivers from afar was just like that's a terrible decision. You know Doc Rivers, the 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 king of resting your veterans, must have been like, why are you playing him so much? Well, that's another reason why you know I don't believe in D'Antoni's system. And trust me, Sway, you remember when the run and gun Suns were like in the Western Conference Finals almost every season when he was at the helm with Steve Nash, and then just after a while, I was like, this system doesn't work. Of playing, of running crazy, shooting threes like like there's no tomorrow, and only playing six, seven guys tops. When you knew Chris Paul wasn't going to play in Game Six, yo, it's my, it's it's this is it's time to uh, like we said it before the series started, it's time to do something that I'm not comfortable with, and that's actually using the other fucking six or seven guys on the bench that are waiting to play. What do you think about Brad Stevens doing that seven man rotation, which is something that came to my mind. Something that came to mind to me was when it were the, this, this game was either going into the fourth quarter or I think the first couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. And I looked down at the numbers and I'm like, man, Rosario's already over 30 minutes right now. You know what I mean? Like down the stretch, which is why I think it, obviously his play had more to do with it. But the minutes were, were stacking up. And I think that was kind of like the point where Brassie was like, all right, he has to sit regardless. I'm going to try to figure out if I'm going to put him back in or not, but see how the game plays itself out. Marcus Smart was well over 30 at that point. I mean, all these guys were, were either around or over 30. The whole rotation, pretty much. The whole seven-man rotation. I tweeted through the Causeway Street Twitter, at Causeway Street, when the fourth quarter started. Well, actually, when the third quarter ended, I thought that uh, something's going to use a little bit of Baines to start the quarter. But we didn't see Baines for the rest of the game. Yeah. I thought that would have, that would have given uh, either Horford or Morris a blow. I think Morris was at that point, too. Yeah. And not that he had a horrible game, but it, he was, it was a so-so shooting game for him. And I, and I thought, you, you know, either one of those two guys, you get a blow and then you just you use up Baines' fouls. And then bring in Horford, bring in Morris, and see what happens. Because uh, Horford only took two three-pointers and made one. That's that's low for him, especially during this, especially at home. Yeah, during this playoff run. Well, LeBron James didn't need any breeder. The whole forty-eight, he played the entire game. But where's he going to play next season? That's the big question for this summer. Even throughout this NBA Finals matchup, where is he going to go? Antoine Walker says he needs to pull a Kevin Durant and says that he needs to join the best. The Boston Celtics are the best in the East, according to Antoine Walker. Now you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I, if I was him, if if 
I'm going to Boston. I'm going to Boston. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Boston. I mean, Kevin Durant did it. Yeah. Kevin Durant joined the best, and if the best team in the Eastern Conference right now would be the Boston Celtics. I like it. I will figure out a way to get to Boston if I'm LeBron James. Wow. And even the playing field. Um, seeing, take for Antoine, seeing huh? LeBron James in green and white, man. I mean, first of all, he wouldn't be able to wear either of those numbers that he used to wear or that he's worn throughout his entire career, just to start with that. But also, how would the Celtics even make this work? Are you comfortable with this happening, Joel? If so, how does it happen? And also, what happens with Kyrie Irving? Because you know damn well Kyrie Irving will be the first one to be in Ainge's office saying, no, hell no, absolutely not. I'm not down with this. Either trade me or figure something out or don't do this at all because there is no way, mark my words, that these two will play together. No way. They're not playing together again after what happened in Cleveland. Kyrie's not having any of it. Um, if the breakup was amicable, that they both were like, all right, you know, we'll go our separate ways or whatever, then sure, Danny tried to go after him. I don't think you're going to pull it off, but so there's that. And then if they had a better relationship, then... I think it would work. I think he would fit in Brad Stevens' system. Oh, yeah. There's no question he would work, but I just don't see those two no, I'm saying, joining if, forces yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if they were cool with each other, then, yeah, it would work. But, yeah, it, but, they're, but they're not, though. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. I don't, no. no, it's not going to happen. It's just I don't, I don't think Danny would waste his time. Would you consider, if you're the Celtics, obviously, would you consider trading Kyrie Irving? To, to have LeBron James sign? No. I wouldn't. No? No. The game seven put the bed put that conversation to bed about Rozier being the starting point guard of this team and no it's just I just think and and, and sending Irving on its like way how many, how many times that the you know in the Brad Stevens era this is the third time now in four seasons that LeBron has beat you in the playoffs and then you're gonna you're gonna go and sign him I don't know that's kind of weird I don't think Danny would do that it's a Kevin Durant move no it's a Kevin Durant move if Celtics go and pursue him. But if the Celtics don't pursue him, I don't think I don't think LeBron is calling up Danny saying, "Hey, so um, oh no, LeBron's yeah. not gonna call up anybody." Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. that's how it works, though. You know, no. The Celtics have to be the ones to initiate no, the I conversation. Don't think, yeah, I don't think I don't think he's gonna initiate it. Uh, Ainge is gonna initiate that kind of conversation. I'm still I'm still thinking about Philly. I'm still thinking that these two, the rivals are gonna the the rivalry's gonna continue, and he's gonna be in Philly. I'm still with that. Um. Yeah, because I, I don't see it either. I, I just don't see a way where the Celtics would want to pursue LeBron James, make the space, trade away the guys, ruin the, the core, or ruin the uh, chemistry just to appease someone like LeBron who, okay, sure, he's still performing at a high level, best one of the best playoff performances of his, of his career. But you risk the other guys not developing they, the way they would have. You risk... Switching things up, the chemistry-wise, the locker room, the the what they built last season, you know, especially with Kyrie Irving as the leader, and you risk you you lose Kyrie Irving. There's no way. There's no way these two are going are going to to, to patch things up, and Kyrie's going to say, "Yeah, I finally got my wish. I finally found a situation where I'm happier than I I, I could ever be in any other situation." Okay. I didn't even get a chance to lead this team the way I wanted to, but sure, bring LeBron over. Let's just start this whole thing over again. You know, we've done it before. 
like this is not gonna work. Nor not gonna work. And, and and for people who who may who were skeptical about this, nor will LeBron James ever ever join a team where he says, you know what, Kyrie, this is your squad. You're gonna lead no, this know, squad, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ride in your coattails. That's that was a dumb take by by Antoine. I mean, Antoine he, said not, that, that Philly was gonna beat the Celtics in four games. Yeah, straight, yeah. But. You know, Antoine, you know, yeah. I like you and everything, we, but yeah, we, we, I'm gotta not, have, we gotta have him back on though. I'm not I'm not crazy about it. Obviously, I'm not crazy about the take, but we have to talk about it because it's an interesting conversation. It's obviously something that, um, you know, from the outside looking in, it, it does make sense for LeBron James. You know, yeah, I think it was more in case you missed it worthy, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. listen. It's gonna yeah. be. This isn't the end of this. This is just the beginning. No, what uh, LeBron coming to Boston? Yes. No, sorry. Come Do on. you remember the the teams that were out there in 2010? That was 2000. Oh, he's going to New York. Oh, he's going though. to Houston. Was was brought up back then as well. He's going to Philly. He's going to Miami, and we all out to Miami. You know, <laughs> like the only the only team that intrigues me, like I said over the last you know few days, is has been Houston. Like if Houston could, Houston could pull that off. That's an interesting place for him to go. Number one, gets him out of the East. He becomes the Warriors' problem, not the East's problem anymore. And if you happen to meet him up, meet up with him in the finals, great. So be it. But you're in the finals at least. If you're if you're a member of the Celtics, you don't have to worry about him anymore. Great. That monkey's off 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 of their back at least through the East. Like we talked about this last episode. Realistically, how many more years does LeBron have? I don't know. I can't even answer that question. Can't even answer that question because I don't know if you saw after Game Seven. I don't know if you if you if you walked up in the the Cavs uh, little celebration. I did. But this dude looked more. This dude was more iced up than I've ever seen Kevin Garnett ever iced up (laughs) while he was here in Boston. (laughs) That's saying a lot. Knees, his crotch, his back, crotch, holding it on his crotch. Jeez, both his knees. So these are all separate bags, obviously. It's not one big-ass bag. Just so those are like, oh, my God, that must have been a big-ass bag. No. Separate ice bags on each knee, on his crotch. And then he had a guy saran wrap a big-ass bag of ice on his back while his, while his teammates were celebrating. And all you heard him say afterwards while they're you know singing and dancing, whatever they were doing, is, boy, am I tired. Yeah, he laid down. <laughs> He's laying down on the ground. He played 48 minutes. And mind you, I believe he was asked... Before the playoffs started, how many minutes do you think you can go without a breather? And he was like, regular season? Yeah, I'll do 48. In the playoffs, he said, I can't do it in more than 41. Granted, he did pick his spots, though, in game seven. There was times where he just kind of watched. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, when, his, you know, like, like when he got the big block and he's, he, as the commentators put it, he was staring at the city of Boston. It was strategic. <laughs> Instead of getting back on defense. It was strategic in case. Yeah. Oh, Mark Jackson. The ball oh, came back the other way. Gosh. That's smart. <laughs> That's LeBron being smart. You mean the fuck? You mean the uh the the the, the laziest dude in the pickup games? He's he's a genius now? The guy who stays in the back and just says I don't know I'm gonna any- let y'all go five on four while I chill back here. And, uh, I don't know if anybody notices. Try to stop this fast break. <laughs> but just because he has a block every now and again doesn't make him a great defensive player. He stopped playing defense a long time ago. Trust me on that. For those who really know the game, you have to preserve yourself. Yeah. At 33, going to be 34 oh, for in this December. Team, for this team, you have to. And, and, if, and if, you know, the great coach, Tyron Lue, is going to make you play 48 minutes on all 82 games in the regular season, 
He's gonna have to pick his spots when he says, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a couple. I'm gonna talk, take a couple defensive plays off, and see if my teammates will respond." Oh no, they did. Oh well. No, never takes defensive plays Here off. No, never takes defensive plays off. Marcus Smart, that guy never takes off plays. No plays off. <laughs> and Marcus Smart thinks that defense is gonna get him all kinds of dough. He's trying. He's trying to get that Evan Turner money. Jesus. One of these players gonna understand that that was. A one and done summer. Okay, yeah, the cap didn't been the same since the cap didn't hit another spike. Timothy Moskov not going to make fifty million again in two thousand eighteen. What about Luol Deng? Those that years are over. Luol Deng isn't going to get paid millions just to sit on the bench what about, what about, and uh, suck up the salary cap. Uh, what's his name? He used to be in Toronto. Now he's in Orlando. Bisboom. Oh, Biombo. Biombo. Finished. <laughs> Those years are done. Never to be heard from. Again, but if Marcus Smart is saying this because his he's someone's in his ear, someone's saying something. His agent. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's what I'm alluding to. Yeah, trying to get that chunk. My whole thing is, we know it's going to come down to him and Rosier. So if that's yeah, the kind on, of money on. he's getting offered, if that's how much it's going to take for the Southerns to retain his services, see you later, Smart. Forget it. Hold Don't on, do on, it. You're talking about not trying to see the Celtics lock in. Marcus Smart for $16, 17000000 dollars a year. No. All right. So w- w- when you say down to him or Rozier, what are you talking about? Like when it comes to re-upping Rozier next year? Yes. Well, first of all. Yes. And if Rozier is committing that kind of money. First of all, the smartest thing. No pun intended. Flip him. Flip him. The smartest thing for, Trade him. for Marcus to do is take the qualifying six point whatever mil. He's not doing that. No, no, no. I'm serious. Take that. Take that, because the only other thing that that might happen, and it won't be what he's asking for, which is like apparently more than twelve to twelve to fourteen mil. The only other thing that Ainge could do, and he could do this the same way he did it with Avery Bradley, is extend him, give him a little bump. What did he make this year? Four. He's not taking that bump. Give him a little bump. No. Give him, you know, I mean, I was always in the camp for most of the season. Like, no, he's not worth any more than eight, nine. And then he came back for that a little bit before he, he injured his thumb again before the playoffs. And I was like, all right, give him nine, maybe ten. And then from when he returned in game five against the Bucks mm. up until game two against the Cavs, where the Celtics were eight and two in that span, I was like, fuck it. Give him 12. <laughs> I'm not budging from that. I always said twelve. <laughs> I always said twelve to fourteen. <laughs> I'm not budging from that because from from game three on, he, he I think he might have lost some value, but I'll still would give him twelve. But I don't know if the Celtics want to do that because then you got to worry. You brought up Rozier for the next season, the next summer, but then you got to worry about Kyrie because you know he's not gonna he's not gonna opt into that player option he's got. He wants a new deal. Yeah, but you can, I think, because of what happened in Game 7 and the fact that obviously he's going to have a, a very, a, a, a very uh, what do you call it, reduced role once Kyrie Irving comes back, I think you're going to see Terry Rozier's value fall right in between that span, 12, 13 million. And if that's how much he, if, if that's his ceiling and the Southern can bring him back for a three, four year deal for a, a, a secondary role, a six man role, sign me up. Do it. Get it done. Out of the two, which one do I prefer for this team? I would go Marcus Smart. 
All right. And I know you Rosier, Scary Terry fans might disagree with that. Scary, but Scary Terry's dead, by the way. But I'm saying what I'm saying is because Marcus Smart is someone who's offensively limited for starters and someone who's inconsistent. I guess you I guess you could say the same thing kind of about Terry Rosier. But what makes him the, the the game winning plays, I think, make him more valuable for this team. However, if we're talking dollars, we're talking about a difference between six, seven million, then look, let him go. See you later, Marcus Smart. Bring back Rozier. You try to lock him in when you can. If, of course, if there's not a deal out there that you're, you know, that you think you can win, and by a landslide, of course, with the Danny Ainge mentality when it comes to a, a approaching trades. Um, if you can't if you can't flip them, then. Bring him back $12, $13 million for your backup, for your sixth man, your Terry Rozier. But let's face it, the Southerns aren't necessarily short on guards to begin with. You know, We're going to be seeing a bit of a log jam or, or the way Brad Stevens has to divvy up these minutes gets a lot more interesting when you got guys like Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier. I mean, those are the bulk of the minutes going to the, your backcourt. Those are your four guys. I don't know. I mean, you. Can, I think. I think Gordon is more of a wing than than a guard. And I, you know. You yeah, can, this is, they're interchangeable. You yeah, can say the same thing about Jalen Brown. But and if then, you if you're not if you're not bringing back Shane Larkin, doesn't matter to me if they bring him back or not. Yeah. Because you have Kyrie coming back, and then you have Terry, and then possibly Marcus Smart. Those are your three rotating guards. And then you can throw in Jalen Brown a little bit in that mix. Possibly Gordon Haywood, but then I think. Another guy that's going to lose minutes and he wants actually a more increased role would be Marcus Morris. Because now Jason Tatum has arrived. At this point, he might even be your second best player. For someone who led the team in scoring all playoff long and then obviously without Kyrie Irving, you bring Kyrie Irving back into the mix. Yeah, my whole thing is if you get the anchors on the, for the second unit, if you got Terry Rozier... And Marcus Morris, you're in good shape. And look, I, again, I, I like Marcus Smart. I would like Marcus Smart to be that guy. But if if there's some, I don't know, Orlando Magic or whatever team willing to give him that 16, 17 million to be a starter or whatever, which I think, which see I you think later. It's, it's, see you later. You get you you lock in Rozier when you can. I think it's possible. I've been I've been preaching that all season. Well, if he's saying this, then he's not just saying it just to say it. I mean, right. we've heard recent reports from was it Jackie McMullen who said that there's, there's teams at least out there. there's teams out there that are willing to give him that kind of money. If that's the case, then see you later. But I'll tell you this, that the Rozier stock right now is as high as it's ever going to be. So if you can't find a deal. I think it took a little bit of a hit, though, on this. The game conference seven, finals. a little bit. No, 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 not game seven. Just in the conference finals in general. Maybe a tiny bit. But I, I just, but my point is that he's not going to get that kind of exposure again. I mean, assuming Kyrie Irving is relatively healthy throughout the season. You're not going to see uh, – Rozier be the starting point guard for three plus months, you know, where he was able to uh, not only control the offense, but man, he was a big part of it. What, what I can't wait to see how he develops. Um, I, I still don't know if he's going to be a guy who sticks around way down the road, but if you can somehow keep him in town for the next two or three years, this window, I mean, this is a championship team we're talking about. Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, I, this if, is it, it's the NBA finals or bust next season. That's you know, it. The, that's, that, that's pretty much it. That's the only silver lining. If, they don't make the, if, they, if this team doesn't make the finals, you, they failed. That's it. That's one of the few silver linings that I, that I got after this playoff run. Um, one, Jason Tatum has arrived. Probably now your second best player. Arguably might be your first. 
hey, depending on how they want to use him next season, how Brad Stevens wants to use him next season. And they're a championship contender without those two, Gordon Haywood and Kyrie Irving. So now once they come back, barring any major changes, I don't know. You think, you think Danny Ainge is still going to be looking to make changes? He already said that he loves this team. He already said he's going to make like a handful of like tweaks. But for Danny Ainge, you never know what he's thinking. The future's bright, but you can't predict it with Danny Ainge. He could be courting LeBron James. Who knows? <laughs> Who the hell knows? One thing we do know is uh, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on around the NBA, so I can't wait to get into this last segment, the way we wrap up every single episode here at the Causeway Street Podcast. It is Joel's segment of In Case You Missed It. In Case You Missed It. Yo, real quick, though. Where the hell was Kyrie Irving in Game 7? I mean, I know the answer, but I just want to know why. Why? Why do you decide? It's a weird dude, man. In the middle. It's a different kind of dude. Of, you know, your team that you pretty much have been behind at home, at least. To possibly make it to the finals, you go, yeah, I'm going to get no surgery to correct my deviated symptom now. Because if they do make the finals, I'll still be at home watching it from there. Like, what, what, what was your thought process on that? That's just weird to me. It's a weird dude, man. That's a, I'm telling you. So does Jalen Rose have a point? <laughs> he didn't want them to win. They didn't want them to win? Like, I think Terry would have needed some, some Kyrie. <laughs> like, yo, cut the shit, guy. Like, just like pass the ball. Don't shoot anymore. I don't know. Take it to the hoop. I don't know. Something. He, was, he, was that missing from Jay, from Terry Rozier that That's, night? It was really odd. That's just weird to me. You see, you saw Gordon. It's like, oh, you guys, you think, you think you can do this without me? All right, let's see if you guys really going to do this without me. I'm, I remember, I'm not even going to be on the sideline. I remember asking that. And then, like, even then, Mark Jackson read my mind, like, you know, this is game seven. Like, it's right. He, he has a point. Like, where the fuck is this guy? At first, I thought maybe he's in the back, but no, he wasn't present at nah. all. What a weird guy. Hayward was there, saw him. Well, a lot of stuff in the association, a lot of things. So, in case you missed it, apparently, the 76th president of basketball <laughs> operations, Mr. Brian Colangelo, has been secretly running five Twitter accounts Jeez. to criticize Joel Embiid, Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens Noel, and Markel <laughs> Fultz. Damn, Nerlens can't even catch a break. According to a report published by The Ringer, an anonymous tip came to them. No, shout out to them for doing their homework. Real, Damn. This, this, this anonymous tip that they got came to them back in February mm-hmm. of this year. And they pinpointed... This is the ringer now. They pinpointed five accounts that followed media members, Sixers employees, and NBA agents. And there was one that was active between April of 2016 through May of 2017. There were two others that were active within the past five months, while one was just posting several times a day as recently as last week. Mm. So on May 22nd, uh, this is the dude that wrote the piece in the ringer. His name is... uh, I don't think he listens to our podcast, so I don't think he cares if I butcher his last name or not. Ben Dietrich, he's the one that reached out to the Sixers via email and um, asked about two accounts in particular. And he got a follow-up call that same day mm. from a Sixers media representative. They said that they were asked Colangelo about it. Now, this is only two out of the five. They didn't talk about the other three. Just two. Certain, just two particular ones. Right. They said they were. They told the ringer they were going to ask Colangelo if they had if he had information about those two accounts that they were that was spoken of in the email. That same afternoon, within just hours of that phone call, the other three that were never mentioned, gone, had been switched from private from public to private. Mm. 
essentially the piece goes on about these uh these collection of Twitter burner accounts. Aside from criticizing the players that I mentioned, it, they they disclose medical information, decisions from the coaching staff, and calling out former Sixers GM Sam Hinkie. <laughs> what do you think, Sway? <laughs> Obviously, Colangelo denies. He's he's gone as far as saying that someone's setting him up. Oh no! You want to hear the update? Shoot! <laughs> Be the first that someone else updated me. <laughs> but go ahead. So this is not too long ago. Um, they came forward and said that it was his wife that did it. What? Yes. Colangelo's wife is the one behind this. Bum, bum, bum. What? You know what that is, though. Babe, babe, take the blame because I might get fired for this. I'm going to need you to bite this bullet because no one else is going to believe me. You always look at the spouse in cases like any kind of cases. You always look at the spouse to see if this person's involved. And he just pushed her right in front of everything. I don't believe that for one second. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm positive I'm not the only one. But that's the story he's going with. <laughs> so we'll see how things unfold. We'll see what, what, what sort of uh, digging the, the, the ringer goes goes into and not just them too because the heat the, the, they're under the heat lamp right now everybody's looking at them right now so well, I mean, we'll see how this investigation plays itself out because the NBA is investigating they're doing their own investigation yeah, to see yeah, what, no, I what's was gonna, going on yeah I was going to say that the Sixers obviously they've launched their own investigation uh, Joel Embiid has gone on Twitter saying that this is hilarious but he doesn't believe it so I don't know how much process will be trusted now hmm. going forward in Philly but can you imagine that for like the Celtics like if that a story like that came out for the Celtics, I'd be like, "What?" Like I'd be, I'd be, I'd be confused. Number one, I'd be confused above all. But you talked about Philly fans when you were down there for you know the last series or two series ago, and they're so into their homegrown guys. Mm. And then you got the GM that's taken over and now gotten the credit for actually Sam Hinkie's work. Work. Yeah. And you still want to trust the process now? And and they're still going to, you know, they're still going to go after LeBron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think LeBron would want to go play in some place like that where he, where he could even, he barely trusted Dan Gilbert? He's going to go trust someone like Colangelo? I don't know. That's just weird to me. I think he still would. What else do you miss? Uh, in case you missed it, Gordon Haywood got a plate and some screws removed from his uh, ankle. Oh, I've been there. And per, and prior to that, he was actually already back on the court doing like one-on-one drills. Yeah. So I was out there with him. Successful. Nice. So <laughs> successful uh, surgery to clean up his ankle. Yeah. Tip fib. Tip fib. And according to reports, should be back in a couple of months to resume his basketball career. I bet you his scar is not like mine. Little, little too late though. Hey, come on, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see what you'd say to that. <laughs> you know what I think? I think they I think Fuck they made, was at Gordon before, man. I think they made up that setback story just so everyone could shut the hell up about it. Like, no, he's not no, coming back. No, you know what it he was. He went through a setback. You know what it was? It was it's done. It was it was Stevens, man. You could Oh, tell. Stevens has had it. Look, I think it takes a lot for Stevens to get pissed off, but every little like Instagram post from 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 Gordon or from the or from the Haywards in general, because even his wife <laughs> or Danny Ainge would be like, you know, Putting up pictures of you know him running or him you know playing with his with their with their their children and it's like he's coming back. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why he's posting this. And Brad was like, 
we just lost three games in a row. No, Gordon Haywood is not coming back. Like, relax with that. He's not. He's not. He's out for the season. And then, the, and then Danny would go on the radio was like, well, you know, he's making good progress. And I mean, well, you never know. And then they're going back at and ask Stevens again. And Stevens says, "What the hell did I just say to you? Like, like two weeks ago? Like, he's not coming back. I don't want to hear any more he's questions like, about we're Gordon Haywood." We're not planning on him coming back. There's no game plan set. And then, and then the narrative became like later on, someone asked it again, like months later. He just goes, he just goes. Look, even if he's available, being basketball ready <laughs> takes time. Like, just because you saw him on fucking Instagram taking a jog doesn't mean this dude's ready to play in the first quarter. Like, get the, it's like, do you guys not know how this works? But he was shooting. Do you not remember the game, game first game, game one of the season? He was shooting. Come from, on. He was shooting from a chair, though. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> he's ready to come back. Like, even if he just comes in and just, just spots up and shoots, he should be ready, right? No. <laughs> and then we got Art Rondo <laughs> telling us about yeah, like, yo, who he's shooting from a chair. He's like, yo, if he didn't speak so proper, he would have been like, yo, he's fucking up his shit, man. He's fucking up his mechanics. He's going to be sorry when he comes back. If he comes back, <laughs> he'll be back by training camp. That I can, I can say confidently. He'll be back by training camp. Here we go. So old Kyrie. Quote, quote me on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, in case you missed it. I mean, I think only, only locally this would be able to be viewed, right? Unless you unless you went on their website, but uh, NBC Sports Boston. Unless you're really a diehard Celtics fan. For real, for real. For those, I mean, and and, and I have come across those that live out, out of state. Oh, and of course. Whatever, like, package they have, like, cable-wise, for, I don't know how they pull it off, but they're able to, to order that, that channel they, where they broadcast the Celtics. <laughs> that might be me one day. <laughs> <laughs> but NBC Sports Boston um, aired the premiere of the 2008 Celtics championship documentary, mm. ironically called Anything's Possible, but KG wasn't in it. <laughs> well, what's up with that? They're saying he declined to join. Well, obviously, they must have well, asked him, but KG wh- why? And Ray wasn't. I, I, I wasn't surprised that Ray wasn't in it. Really? Shocker to, if you, for you to believe. You want nothing to do with that. Of course, he wasn't fucking in it. But the you, thing was named he's, after he's a done, quote. <laughs> he's, done, he's done promoting his book. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the whole thing was, thing named, was named after, after So I'm thinking, and, and they were showing like, and I think they were just waiting for when the Celtics, you know, playoff run ended. Because they would never say when they were going to show this thing. Like, during the playoffs, they were like, oh, you know, coming soon. You're like, when the fuck are they going to show this thing? But Celtics season ends. And I think the next day, they were like, this is coming on. And all the commercials that you saw for it, all the promotion was KG, 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 mm. KG. And I was like, wow, this is going to be, like, some good shit. Because, like, KG doesn't really do things like this. Yeah. And he really didn't <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day. Decline. I don't know. I thought it was weird. That he wasn't in it, but like all the other like funny stories from the other guys, and they, they pretty much got damn near all everyone. Eddie House, James Posey, Praise Garnett. Oh yeah, the whole team was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Big Baby Davis, who was high as hell on there. And, yo, what's <laughs> good with Tony Allen, bro? He's aged over the last like. Uh, yeah, year. you text me about that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's weird, yo. Like yeah. you, you were just playing. It's not like. Big baby who hasn't been out of he's been out of the league for two, three years. Yeah, right. Tony Allen was playing earlier this season. How crazy would it have been if he was still on the on the Pelicans though during their little play? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he he did start on that team. Well, it would have made a difference against the Warriors. But yeah, still. I was I would say this though. I think what surprised me the most throughout the entire documentary was that um I mean Big Baby like he literally I think he just finished smoking and they just said, Yo, put the camera on and just started talking about the Celtics. Like He was the only one cursing. <laughs> the only one cursing, the only one that had his his stuff bleeped out. 
But he was really animated, though. <laughs> he was lit. It was, it was very entertaining. <laughs> very entertaining. Yo, uh, to big, say the least. Big Baby did not care about talking on camera fresh off of smoking. Like, damn. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe, maybe, no, no, maybe he had like, at least one. Maybe he popped the pill. Probably two. He had two going at once. <laughs> like right, right before they started. And you know, you know what's funny too. If you if you look closely what's towards the, what's a young buck towards the end of the documentary, he's getting like he's getting more. He's getting sober. <laughs> like you can see him. He's coming down. He's coming down. Yeah. What Greg we have is like they would all be talking about one thing, and then like everyone would, like say that part, and then PJ Brown said that part, and then it goes to Big Bay, and then just be like this awkward pause, and then he would just be like, beep. He'd be like. <laughs> It's like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing, you know? And, like, his hands are going to place. His his head is going over the place. I'm like, damn, Davis is losing it. Davis, yeah. put the weed down. Man. Yo, when they were talking about the arm wrestling between him and KG. That was a, that was a good story. That was hilarious. Yeah. No one thought that KG could beat Big Baby in arm wrestling. Yeah. But let me tell you my favorite part of that whole documentary. When they're in New Orleans for the All Star game, and they see uh, Paul, Paul Pierce is saying oh, that he's in the limo. Paul was Paul was drunk. Yeah, Paul was in the limo. I mean, him, Bourbon he Street. He didn't say that he was drunk or anything, but all he said was he's in, he's like it's mad traffic. He's in the limo, and all of a sudden he sees like this big tall dude like walking across, like literally in front of his limo. He's like, "Who the hell is that guy?" Realizes that it's PJ Brown. Rolls the window down. Calls him, calls him over, gets out the thing, and he's like, oh, we can really use you this season. You know, let me get down your number. And, and when they panned PJ for his, for his, like, part of the story, he's like, yo, all of a sudden this, this tinted windows, you know, limo comes up to me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a drive-by. Like, yo, I fucking <laughs> lost it, dude. I lost it. PJ was that. mad funny in the documentary. But it cracked me up because afterwards, when they approached him the next day, they're like, yo, I know you saw Paul the other night. It, you was, know. At, it was at a party. And this yeah. Time, and it was Ray that was like, yo, I know you seen Paul last I night. I know you might have thought, you probably weren't taking him too seriously because he's like, you know, I know he had a, you know, he people, he people, people on Bourbon Street tend to, you know, they have a good time when they go down there. He said, yeah, yeah. that's what PJ was like. I didn't take anything he said serious. He didn't want to say like, yo, he was fucked up. That yeah, night, right. But he was like, Bourbon Street will do that to people. Just in general, when you come to New Orleans, you just have a good time. Paul looked like he was having a good time. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> but it was Ray. He goes, he goes, if Ray didn't come out to me the second night and say that Paul was serious, he said we wouldn't be having this conversation. He's like, yeah, I could have been Sean Bradley and Paul Pierce would have been like, yeah, no matter who was there. Paul would be like, yo, we could use you, man. Been like Eric we Dan- could use you. Eric Dampier, if I can. Could have been El Goskis walking down like, yo. <laughs> Yo, we got a spot for you, bro. <laughs> Me? So I thought I thought that was funny right there. But I love the fact that they they it was like a good five minutes of all the other Celtics other than Paul talking about the whole raid going at Miami thing. Mm. But I thought it was interesting. Well, they, Pierce said what he had to say about it. What yeah, cracked yeah, me up was that. how everybody was kind of clowning Paul for the whole wheelchair thing. And Paul wasn't smiling at all. He was just like, look, man, they brought the wheelchair out. All right. Didn't know how serious I heard it was. something. Yeah. Like, Paul was like, yo, can I just have this moment? Come on, man. Mark Spears. Ten years later, it's a good story. Yo, Mark Spears. I forget how Mark, how good Mark Spears is. He's man. really good. I miss Mark Spears. Yeah, man. I met him during the 2010 finals. When he came back, we're already working for ESPN. Yeah. He was great in this and documentary, I, though. I so him, animated. I saw him outside the garden. I dived him up. I was like, bro, man, I miss you here in Boston, man. Yo, these, 
these dudes don't know basketball like you, bro. I like he was like, oh, thank you, man. He was real. He was real humble. Dude. He still looks like he's a humble dude, but yeah, yeah. That's that's one guy that that is dearly missed here in Boston for for those that know basketball. But I thought the, I thought the documentary was 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 interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, it was good. I mean, like at this point, it's like, what what haven't you heard about this team? You know, we've, it's it's been quite some time. This team has obviously been well. Uh, documented and I'm just surprised you know that. what what um you know what transpired throughout that season what they had to face the adversity they faced and I like how they touched on you know what happened afterwards you know and how close they came to winning the second one and you know a lot of those guys um they they even though they weren't on the team anymore they they felt like those are our brothers and look at them go you know they could get in a second one obviously we know what happened in 2010 yeah I I I think those other those other dudes like know or feel that. It could have it could have been at least another a second or a third championship mm. during that run. It's, it is hard to just Perk, win one. Perk, Pierce, Dog, they're like three peat. That team could have three peat. I mean, it's easy to say that now, but yeah. But I mean, looking back at it, on it, I heard I heard them talking about it on the radio, and I forgot how poorly Ray shot in Game Seven in 2010. Yeah, it was bad, dude. If he made yeah. like if he made like two of those, he was like it what, might have been a different of, outcome. Two of nine, I think. Something. It was awful. Paul still won't watch that game. I don't blame him. You haven't watched that game, have you? I uh, haven't. No, yeah. I watched no. it. I watched it. It's not on my to do list. I've watched it once. Yeah, it, it happened to be on NBA TV the like the summer going into the next season. I was like, if I don't watch this now, I'll never watch it, and I haven't watched it again since. You know, it's funny <laughs> watching that entire documentary though. It, like reminding me of how important that injury was for the Lakers when Perk went down, you know, like it just yeah, like reliving it, like game, that game six and then heading into game seven and, you know, Rashid did all he could do. But when he came down to it, they just, they had so many second chance opportunities. The rebounding matchup was a, was, was big in that last quarter, obviously, because the Southerners had pretty much led the entire game. I just remember, like, it brought back all these feelings. I just remember thinking, like, no lie, after that game, I was almost like, Yo, fuck basketball. Like, like, I was like, yo, how can you just be winning the entire game? Like, yo, they need to make this game shorter. Like, it should be like 38 minutes. Like, this is just ridiculous. I just remember, I just remember at halftime. Like, I remember I was so in my feelings. I was just like, no, the sport needs to be tweaked. This is ridiculous. How can you be winning for so much, you know, throughout, uh, whoa, whoa. What forty minutes, pretty much, or forty-one minutes of the forty-eight minutes, and you lose? <laughs> you had a thirteen-point lead, you know. No, oh I just, man, I just remember Magic Johnson all that back. Time. He was like, "Yeah, the Celtics got this. Yeah, the better team." And yeah, I and like, I was like, I was "No, like, you, Urban? No, Not all people? The fuck?" I'm like, "I'm like, I should like this, but I don't like this at all." No. Magic no. giving the Celtics a championship at halftime of no. Game Seven in the NBA Finals. No, I, I don't think, want it. And I think I that's want the, nothing to do with it. That was the last season of the two-three-two uh, format in the finals. Yeah, it was. So I don't know if that would have made a difference, but ah, eh, two eh, makes a big eh, difference, man. I'm eh. telling you, two championships and one. When you get the second one, it's more of a difference. We had this conversation when Paul Pierce had his number retired. I don't know. I always say that. He would, him and, and Garnett would be higher on people's list of all-time greats if they got to. But hey, it is what it is. It was a great run, obviously, and great memories. Good documentary. I liked it. But yeah, KG was very sorely missed. I'm just, I'm just confused yeah. on why the Celtics never had those dudes or a good amount of those dudes come back just to be 
like honor the way like Fenway does like every season. I feel like they might do something. <laughs> like, I think they might. I might. They might do something at the beginning of the season. You know, everyone's gonna be really high up on you know Kyrie Irving coming back and oh, Gordon Hayward and seeing talking, this team. They talking about something else, huh? No, that, that's just Big Baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Baby will have that on deck. Yes. You know. You know what else too? You know they recorded that before he got arrested for all that bags. Oh yeah. Because they would have been like Big Baby, you can't be recorded like this, bro. Like, yeah. listen. You got a court case coming up. <laughs> they found over 100 grams on you. <laughs> you just going to toke up in the studio and let us record you? Nah, man. Come on, man. That's tough, man. That's tough. That's tough. It's almost tough as this, uh, this Drake and Pusha T uh, beef. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this ain't even NBA. Yo, what time is it? Damn. This is going to be like a 48-minute, in case you missed it. We should make nah, this nah, a nah, long I just, episode. I just want to throw that in there. Just, you know. <laughs> Something to think about for you guys who don't who who don't know. Rap is back. Beef is back. That ground beef was pushed to you playing fair. Uh, we, we talk about the first time or the second time. Obviously, the second time. Man. <laughs> I mean, the second time. I mean, that's what uh, you know. What else was he gonna do after what? But the what Drake came was saying that. Like, hey man, the gloves know, are off. You ain't even. You're, you're not even like you know. The gloves are off. You're the fifth best MC on your label. Yeah, I wrote. Songs for the guy who produced your album. I don't know. So he's like, oh, what do I got? Uh, uh, I'll go the racial route. Because you wish you were black even though you're already half black. But you never met your father. But here you are being a deadbeat to, to an imaginary son that no one knows about. He exposed To him, a stripper. Bro. He exposed him, bro. <laughs> That's great. But, I mean, we don't. It's not like 50. When 50 says this, he actually has proof. We we haven't seen the proof. What do you mean the proof? Where's the proof? Where's the Where's, where's the Drake laughing this off no, saying this ain't true? Where's the picture? Where's the picture of this of this so called so called? And stripper? why was he in blackface? Like why did Drake agree to do that? No, that wasn't. That's not Drake, bro. That's somebody else. Being, that's not Drake. That's Drake. From where he did he did that in 08. He was doing a promo. That's Drake. You didn't the know fuck that? Out of here. No. Yes, that's that's the whole thing. That's the biggest thing. Like why would you do that? You have to address this, Drake. And you know what? Like you have to speak up about this. Why are you in blackface? <laughs> I didn't. Do, I don't know. It was him. I thought I was someone that looked like. Him. No, that's him. Wow, it's, wow. Well, the same way he that's got my that, first of like seven questions for right. Drake. So, well, the, first, the way he dug up that picture. Why didn't he dig up a picture of this so-called stripper who's who's his BM? Well, there's pictures of them two together, but obviously that's. You can't say like they have a kid uh, together. Uh, but. Anybody can just say you got a kid. Where's the proof? I mean, Fifty's the king of that. When Fifty was like, yo. You're a correction officer. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Bam. Picture of him in a fucking corrections office in uniform. Yo, yo, you used to beat your baby mama. Bam. Here comes the BM talking about, yep, he used to beat my ass every day. Oh, we got to wait for the bam then. <laughs> yeah, wait for the other shoe to drop. The bam, you know? Well, we'll see. I just think I just think at the end of the day, Drake, I, and this isn't just Pusha T. I think there's a lot of things that people know that are sort of hush hush between the uh, industry and Pusha T just exposed him, and I think I think he did it because he was like, "Listen, you want to talk about you know the the, the Kanye know, thing and all that stuff." He's like, "You don't even write just you know what I mean." It's that's well documented that Drake doesn't always write his own stuff. Yeah, but that's a ghost. Everyone has ghostwriters though. That's like that's the only thing that rappers when they want to come at Drake. That's the only thing they talk about. But every time Drake yeah, comes man, back at a, you, yo, he 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 ended he ended Meek Mill, bro. The only reason why people talk about Meek Mill is because he used to be hanging out with Bob Craft. Now he doesn't rap anymore. He's yeah, done. Man. He forgot he wasn't battling Meek Mill, man. Pusha T is a beast. I don't know. I don't know. 
they push a tease guy Drake against against the ropes. I mean, I love myself some Common, but how relevant has Common been ever since Drake said what he said about Common? Regardless, though, mm, I'm just saying, like, I mean, Drake, this is Drake, if Drake if Drake comes back, you'll know why it took him as long as it did for him to come back. Don't get me wrong, I love Pusha T, but like, where does this come from? Where does this come from? Drake's <laughs> really Team Drake right no, now. I'm just saying, wow. but where is this coming from? Wow. Where is this coming from, though? What do you mean? Where is where is this coming from? From Pusha T, like, where, why all of a sudden you have you have a hard on for Drake? Because Drake has always been like, like he says, top five. Everyone's like, yeah, he's one of the best rappers, and rappers like Pusha T are like, yo, this dude is not a great rapper. Like, that's it. One, the whole writing thing, that's like number one rule in rap. Like, you have to write your own shit, and obviously he's been exposed for that. Whatever it is, what it is. You know, Drake makes the kind of music he makes. Pusha T makes kind of music, like complete, two completely, very completely different artists. But my whole thing with Pusha T is once you get into a beef with somebody, you start bringing up his girl, which is what Drake did. The gloves are off. You get exposed. And man, I don't know. Pusha T must have had that blackface thing in his pocket, in his back pocket. But he's, I don't know, man. I don't know. Drake got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, the clock's ticking. The clock's ticking. We'll see if he says something before the release of this podcast. But if he doesn't, that's even worse. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if he was just trying to like push his album, which is only seven tracks. It's more of an EP than anything else. <laughs> Why are you hating so much on Pusha I'm T? I'm not hating bro. on him, bro. Team I'm just Drake. talking about him. I'm Team just... Drake. <laughs> All right, whatever. I was just bringing it up just to say, like, you know, get into it. But I, was not, I wasn't really trying to have a conversation. Whatever. <laughs> when I don't agree with you, then I'm Team the opposite world. No, because you haven't said one thing about how Pusha T bodied him. Like... Are you kidding me? When did he body him? He, dude, he had a black face. But that's not bodying him, so I'm talking about And lyrically. then he talked talk about, about how lyrically. he wants to be so black, and I'm it's like, dude, you did blackface. But that's so easy to I go racial. I can't think of a black person who okay. did blackface. Okay, but <laughs> it's so easy to go racial. Like When someone goes blackface, absolutely. Like the worst thing to do. <laughs> that's just me. Whatever. Call me Yo, Drake. I don't care. I don't know, man. Do your okay. research. Okay. <laughs> There's literally a photographer who's like, yes, we did the photo shoot. This is Drake. Like, but all right. All right. Cool. That's all I got for. In case you missed it. Thank you to all the listeners for all the support this season, of course. And CLNS Media for another year under the uh, their podcast umbrella. Make sure you follow us on all social media outlets. And hit up CausewayStreet.com. You know, you got my uh, my feelings on the Celtics Game 7 loss. Plus, will Ainge make any changes this summer or, or should he stand pat? Considering mm. that he does have a title contending roster. All that, CausewayStreet.com. Yeah, the good thing is, like, you don't have, like, a stack full of players that are, you know, off or not under contract anymore. We'll see what happens with Marcus Smart, but for the most part, I mean, this team's intact. I mean, yeah, yeah. you mentioned uh, Larkin and, you know, uh, Baines is off the books, but, I mean, for the most part, you got this core intact. You got, obviously, two uh, very, very good players coming back into the fold, and, I mean, the man, Celtics, can't wait. Celtics are also willing to trade their their 27th pick uh, and their other chest of fucking picks as well mm. to try to get La Bamba, what's his name? Mo Bamba? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens there. And also, don't forget about Tice. I would have loved to see yeah. how this team would have looked with Tice in the mix, you know, especially against the Cavs. Trust me, if Tice is available, Stevens goes eight deep instead of seven, in my opinion, but or I maybe, digress. Or maybe still seven, but with Tice. With Tice. <laughs> Tice is your seventh guy. <laughs> Sorry, smart. You ain't playing, bro. What? <laughs> What you mean? <laughs> I guess until next time, folks, hopefully by the next episode, the Warriors would have swept 
<laughs> Cavs in three. <laughs> no, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We gotta have a finals episode. So that'll be that'll be the next one. We'll see. Well, yeah, hopefully we'll, a series ain't over before we get our finals episode. We'll, we'll just shit on the city of Oakland and you know the city of Cleveland. Oh yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun, and hopefully we can put to bed this damn matchup. If, if, if there's a five, if there's a part five to this, shout out to the whoever made that Family Matters part four <laughs> promo. Oh, season four. Man. What was your favorite one? I kind of like the Kevin Love one because that was so '90s sitcom. Yeah. That little like that little smirk, and he's sitting in like a random the one the one like, white guy. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not that. But <laughs> I'm saying like you know that scene where he like he he's sitting there and it's almost like he's in like an empty warehouse. It's like that's such a '90s little sitcom like promo or, or, or what do you call it? theme song uh, video. And then, of course, uh, J.R. Smith walking around Charlotte's. Oh, well done. All, all of it was good. I forgot that that dude was walking around in his uniform, his uniform shorts, for like a week after, yeah. this, after the Cavs won back in, in 2016. Weird. All right. All right. Let's get out of here. Until we out. Time. Peace out.